You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for Colorado Gardener. My name is Christy McGowan. How to use coffee grounds to make your plants thrive. By Betsy Karetnik. And this is from readersdigest.com. Your guide to the do's and don'ts of using coffee grounds for growing healthier plants. If you've been trying to tackle houseplant pests organically and want to learn how to compost, you might want to dig into the idea of recycling coffee grounds for plants. According to Doug Oster, garden book author and co-host of the Organic Gardener radio show, it is one of those ingredients. It is easy to get. It breaks down quickly. And, like all living matter, he laughingly adds, it will compost. Yes, coffee grounds can inject fuel into your garden as well as into your morning routine. Regardless of season and space, you can start to work on those container garden ideas and reduce food waste with the compost bins you were gifted for the holidays. Even indoor plants will perk up with coffee grounds if you follow a few guidelines from cup to compost. Are coffee grounds good for plants? You bet! Using coffee grounds for plants improves the soil and reduces landfill waste. Simply tilling used grounds into the soil can help with aeration, drainage, and water retention. More importantly, coffee grounds add vital nitrogen to the soil that allows plants to absorb water and nutrients. It doesn't matter if you drink decaf or regular. Either will do the trick. As for the format, used ground coffee is the gold standard, although some plants can handle grounds that haven't been brewed. To improve your mood and the garden, try mastering that perfect cup of coffee and reserving the grounds for later. As for indoor plants, a teaspoon of spent coffee grounds mixed into the soil of most can work. Super diluted coffee dregs can even be used for occasional watering. Remember that grounds help with water retention, so skip the succulents and plants that like the soil dry to avoid root rot. Which plants are coffee grounds good for? Both indoor and outdoor plants can benefit from a java boost, but that doesn't mean you can take a one-size-fits-all approach to coffee in your garden. For best results, use the type of grounds that best suit your plants. Coffee that has been brewed works best for the garden, says Sonia Uderhaven, head of horticulture at New Jersey's Greenwood Gardens. When you make coffee, all acidity gets washed out, she says. That means it won't change the pH level in your garden. You can blend used grounds into the soil throughout the garden, but she prefers, 
adding it to compost. Which is better garden food overall? Coffee that has been roasted but never brewed is fine for acid-loving plants, including rhododendrons, azaleas, hydrangeas, pieris, andromeda, and camellia. Uderheaven suggests sprinkling those grounds in a thin layer around a bed of acid-loving plants, along with a layer of mulch. For the veggie patch, Oster recommends composted coffee grounds only. Blueberries benefit from an acidic environment to which coffee can contribute. Higher nitrogen would also help spinach, lettuce, arugula, and mustard greens. Which plants shouldn't you try this with? Not all plants are receptive to soil mixed with used coffee grounds. Take, for instance, your vegetable garden. If you grow your own food and want yours to thrive, you'll avoid adding coffee grounds by themselves directly to it. And to those who always ask, are coffee grounds good for tomato plants? The short answer is no. Oster recommends tomato-specific fertilizers, well-rotted manure, or balanced compost. Ditto for bell peppers. Coffee grounds may also deter seedlings, so skip them in areas where you've started plants from seed. Other plants that don't like the leftovers from your morning brew? Weeds, and that's a good thing. Experiment in areas where weeds self-sow and thrive. The grounds could be your best-smelling organic weed deterrent. How do you use coffee grounds for plants? If you want to add your coffee grounds directly to plants, remember those rules about acidity. For hydrangeas and azaleas, it's fine to add a thin layer around the plants themselves. Even a leftover bag of ground coffee that hasn't been brewed can work. Just try to avoid a solid mass of coffee grounds, since that could block water. Coffee grounds in compost. Compost needs brown and green materials to work effectively. Despite their appearance, coffee grounds are considered green. That is, they add nitrogen. Oster aims for a 50-50 mix of green materials and brown ingredients, like newspaper and dry leaves. When he adds coffee grounds, he includes the paper coffee filter. Feel free to tear it into smaller pieces and a layer of straw. To use compost, wait until it's completely decomposed. That could take months or years, depending on heat, ingredients, location, and other variables. Spread it evenly in beds in early spring or at the end of the growing season for new plantings, combined compost with existing soil. Coffee grounds as fertilizer. While coffee grounds can change soil acidity and add nitrogen, using them directly as a fertilizer takes time. If the coffee has been brewed, the acidity has been neutralized. 
Spent grounds can be lightly tilled into the soil or spread around throughout a planting bed. They will take longer to break down and release nitrogen, so add another fertilizer while the coffee degenerates in the soil. Be smart about where you're using coffee grounds. Remember, stick to plants and shrubs rather than veggies if you want to avoid dead plants. Coffee grounds for pest control. No one likes snails and slugs in the garden, and there is certainly no harm in trying to deter them with some used coffee granules. On their own or mixed with mulch, they will smell pretty good for a while. That said, despite the rumored benefit, horticulturists say coffee grounds are unlikely to attack the pest population already affecting the plants. It's possible, however, that the grounds would prevent some garden pests from crossing an uncomfortably granular surface to a different area. Coffee grounds to keep cats away from plants. Folklore also says cats are not fans of how coffee smells. While it is tough to prove scientifically, it is easy to experiment. Consider using decaffeinated coffee or spent grounds with less acidifying risk. Sprinkle them around the plants you want to protect. But beware, dog owners. Avoid anything caffeinated that may reach your canine friends. Alternative options to keep pets away from the garden include citrus scents. Coffee grounds to feed worms. Everything is better in moderation, and that goes for worms that love a good cup of joe. Vermicomposters, folks who compost using worms, swear the grounds are a favorite treat. Start with a small amount to see if the worms like it. If you use too much, your vermicompost could become too acidic. Just how much should you use? Guidelines vary from about 15% of their diet to an eighth of their bedding. In the ground, compost naturally attracts worms that ostensibly like coffee as well. That's a good thing, provided coffee is actually good for worms. But a study published in Bioresource Technology suggests a higher mortality risk for earthworms exposed to coffee grounds in multiple composting methods. The same study showed adding cardboard lowered both the risk and chemical exposure, so gauge your own comfort level. Mistakes to avoid. Recycling used coffee grounds for plants isn't complex. But you'll have a better chance of success if you avoid the following missteps. Don't use fresh coffee grounds that haven't been brewed, if your plants are not familiar to you. The brewing neutralizes the acidity in coffee, removing potential harm to plants that don't like it. And as an economic matter, why waste coffee if you can brew it first and garden with it later? 
coffee filters heading to compost should be unbleached to keep the fertilizer organic. The smaller the pieces, the faster the decomposition. Avoid chemically flavored coffee grounds for plants. A solid layer of coffee grounds can hurt the garden more than it helps by preventing water from reaching the roots when you're watering your plants. Instead, use it in compost or blend it into the soil. Compost coffee grounds for a vegetable garden instead of using them directly. Remember, coffee grounds are not good for tomatoes or seedlings. Get a soil test, especially if your plants are not thriving or you want to change the acidity of the soil. Most counties have a local cooperative extension service that offers services to gardeners. Garden time. To get really intimate with time, take off your watch. By Susan Sides. And this is from Green Prince, Collector's Edition, Spring 1990. Mud season, the harvest moon, or when the frost is on the pumpkin. We're all familiar with such time measurements, the kind far removed from calculated accuracy. Not the precise and aloof paper calendar, but an earthy one with cycles of life, death, and change. Flexible, but constant. Spring always comes, and it always comes after winter. It just retains the privilege of choosing which day it arrives. Gardeners know this. Sweat and ripe sweet corn are increments of summer. The bowed brown heads of sunflower feeders gauge the progression of fall. Still, our garden calendars are only privately useful, not universally synchronized. March 15th is March 15th everywhere. Such exact standards facilitate human interaction. But when I write to my friend in Wisconsin to say how good it felt to dig a bed and get the peas in, I know I'll strike a chord of envy as she walks back from the mailbox in snow boots and a woolen scarf. She can relate. Oh, how she can relate. It's just not her turn to flip the page to spring quite yet. I thought I'd show you some of the pages in my own seasonal timepiece. A little like cornering you with photos of kids, I realize. But what better way to meet a new garden friend? It's winter, when the mailbox has a mouthful of seed catalogs. Day after day, its jaws so full, the mailman just leaves a flap hanging down like a huge silver tongue. No one bothers to shut the garden gate against dogs, goats, pigs, and ten-year-olds on bicycles. Boots sit by the fire to keep them supple. The tool shed 
a converted outhouse, blows over in a good north wind. I can't see my toes. Well, women gardeners have to time these things, you know. Not tonight, honey. Nine months from now, I'll be in a double-digging frenzy. We have winter babies. That way, between putting in the fall garlic and the spring peas, we can start real labor. It's spring, when last year's tennis shoes look like blown-out retreads. Muddy boots stand on the porch like armatures half-covered in clay. The wooden tool handles are still slick from their winter coat of oil. A few toys begin sprouting in the nearby sandbox. Requests for seed-starting advice make the phone jingle every day. The post office calls at 6.30 a.m. to tell us the little peepers have arrived for our yearly chicken moat, the one that borders our plot in hopes of reducing insects, supplying meat, and keeping weeds back. So far, it seems to do all this, but attract bird-killing, plant-crushing dogs as well. It's hard to dig a bed for waving to all the neighbors driving by. As long as the branches on our tree-lined border remain bare, we're honked at from dawn to dusk. This season for hat-in-the-air salutations runs from October to nearly May, when those tardy walnuts, the predominant species, finally leaf out. Sometimes when we're not out, a scarecrow takes up the slack and impresses nearsighted friends with our seemingly endless garden energy. It's summer, when abandoned boots and shoes lie strewn in the paths for days. Cukes arrive in choking abundance from a retired husband and wife who have scaled down their enthusiasm to a 50-foot row. I can see my toes once again, except in the shower where the water that runs off my body looks like chocolate syrup. Toys and children have come into full bloom, both in the sandbox and the garden proper. The slick of the tool handles comes not from oil, but from human use. A blind friend feels the increase in textural relief on my hands and makes a game of guessing what chore was most pressing last week. It's fall, or nearly so, when the sight of the farm silage wagons and the sound of the chopper becomes a daily event. Photography for the magazine picks up as everything comes ripe. We find ourselves fussing for hours with an arrangement of vegetables and props to get that natural look, throw them down in despair, then cry, that's it. There's less need to start the irrigation pump, a chore that expels much energy, colorful language, and very little water when I attempt it on my own. There's more need to start the tiller for cover cropping the field areas, a spectator sport I greatly enjoy. My husband cranks 
adjusts, cranks, checks gas, cranks, and readjusts till his patience is exhausted. He places hands on hips, then slaps his head in remembrance. Reaching into the depths of the device, he pulls out another mouse nest, the third one this week, and curses me under his breath for never having the heart to kill any of the blind and hairless little boogers I find. Well, that's a small glimpse of seasons in the sides garden. Surprisingly, I've even found it possible to hone in on what day of the week it is by the community activity around the place. Kids line up at the landlords for piano lessons on Tuesdays. The farm truck carries cattle to market on Thursdays, etc. Come to think of it, even the time of day is palpable. When frantic barking down the road signals feeding time at the local kennel, it's nearly eight o'clock. A sudden air of quiet as the compressor at the dairy barn, two miles away, cuts off. Give or take a few minutes, depending on how many they're milking this week. And it's nine o'clock. Almost time to check the mail and break for a snack. I head in for my 12.30 meal when the sight of lunchtime joggers seconds the growling suspicion in my stomach. And escapees racing down the driveway, just released from the maw of the yellow and black school bus, signal 3.30. Any moment now, my son should be waking from his nap. Soon he and Dad will join me. Whether you inherited it as an heirloom from your grandparents or took possession only last week, a garden is an amazing, living, breathing timepiece. You can forget the second hand, though. Gardens just weren't meant to have one. Compared to gardeners, I think it is generally agreed that others understand very little about anything of consequence. Henry Mitchell Life Runs on Sunlight by Carl Sagan Life on Earth runs almost exclusively on sunlight. Plants gather the photons and convert solar to chemical energy. Animals parasitize the plants. Farming is simply the methodical harvesting of sunlight, using plants as grudging intermediaries. We are, almost all of us, solar-powered. A garden, where one may enter in and forget the whole world, cannot be made in a week, nor a month, nor a year. It must be planned for, waited for, and loved into being. Chinese proverb. 
Thank you for joining us for Colorado Gardener. My name is Christy McGowan. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.